is that if she did not judge Christian belief to be more true, more correct, more reasonable than modern atheistic humanism, then she could not be a Christian. One objection, it could be possible to, uh, uh, to present is that, uh, isn't it that presupposing that our religious language game, the language game of, uh, I would say, uh, uh, Christianity, uh, for example, uh, 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 in prayer, especially in rogatory prayer, is correct. Uh, God exists because I speak to him. I, I, I would reply exactly like Peter Gitch. When he says, I quote him, obviously, we will say this, the, uh, the claim of faith, I would say, are using our language claim as a basis uh, from which to judge what other people maintain. But anybody is bound to do this if he makes a judgment that other people contest. And uh, by language game, here, Gitch uh, means the language game of Christianity, including, for example, prayer language. Uh, and uh, uh, he has, he, it is an answer to Neo Wittgensteinians, uh, especially to DZ Phillips. But I think that it can be used in this context. So, uh, of course, when the believer uh, consider his Christian belief more true, more correct, more reasonable than modern atheistic humanism, surely uh, it is inside his uh, language game, I would say, his Christian language game. But uh, as Peter Gitch, I think that it is uh, acceptable and even uh, inevitable to uh, uh, to use our language game as a basis. Uh, surely, atheists and theists can avoid getting on the subject of religion and appreciate each other as human beings and even simply as colleagues in the Department of Philosophy, for example. They may also belong to the same fire brigade. It is uh, an example uh, uh, taken very often by Peter Gitch. And uh, uh, he borrowed uh, this example uh, from uh, a Polish uh, philosopher, uh, Kotarbinski. So they may also belong to the same fire brigade and do in it a lot of valuable work together independently of their disagreement of, on religious matters. They may also have affection towards each other. They may even be in love, or why not? But intellectually, they disagree, and even fundamentally. And such a disagreement is nothing friendly. I mean, as a believer and as an, as an atheist, they are not friends. Also, they may be in other ways. So first, what constitutes a warranted belief with uh, 
perfect sense for one has no right to be believed or even perhaps no sense for another. And second, they, the atheist and the theist, are not intellectual peers and cannot consider each other uh, this way. But what does it mean that they are not intellectual peers? Uh, I would uh, uh, answer this question by quoting Peter von Inwagen when he says, if someone tells me that, if I can adduce no articulable reason for believing in material things, then my belief in material things must be irrational. I will reply that my critique as a mistaken and impossibly demanding theory of rationality. I want to say something similar about my belief in God. Why do I believe in God? Certainly not, answers uh, Peter von Inwagen, certainly not because I can write down some reason for believing in God that would force anyone who understood it to, to share my belief. There is no such reason. I can, I often do, set out reasons for believing in God. But these reasons are not coercive. A person who understands them and is unmoved by them is not, by that very fact, irrational. Of course, it's, uh, I would say, uh, a very common uh, experience when you are teaching philosophy of religion. You, you, uh, you present and you explain, for example, uh, Aquinas' uh, five ways and uh, your... Uh, of course, or uh, Anselm ontological argument. And of course, um, generally uh, your students, if they are not believer, uh, and uh, in my university, uh, uh, generally they are not, um, uh, of course, they are not convinced at all. Uh, but it, change, it changes nothing in, in a sense. Well, so it seems that a believer could always uh, appeal to what could be called a Murian argument. A Murian argument, uh, it means a kind of argument that we find used by the English philosopher G.E. Moore, uh, shows that sceptical doubts are always less believable, uh, finally, than what they serve to raise doubt about. For example, the doubt about the fact that I have two hands, it is a more example, is less believable than that uh, the fact than the fact that this is my hand and I show you my hand. And this is another one, and I show you my the other one. I have two hands. Uh, a Morion fact is one we know better than we know the premises of any philosophical arguments to the contrary. Uh, so there is an argument saying that the very plausibility of our ordinary beliefs is reason enough for supposing that there must be something wrong in the skeptic, in the sceptic arguments or atheist argument 
uh, when it is uh, uh, the question of the uh, existence of God, even if we are unable to say what it is. So it is possible that in the case of the debates between believer and atheist, we are in a situation analogous to that between the one who claims to know that the things around him exist and the septic uh, like that of Descartes in his first uh, meditation. So in, the, in, in both cases, uh, the atheist and the believer are uh, in the same situation uh, than the septic and the one who thinks that uh, the things around him uh, exist. Uh, so uh, I think that in fact no very very no true debate is possible in this case. But uh, there are two objections. First, this argument seems to immunize all belief, no matter how ridiculous it is. Belief in aliens or belief in the return of the great pumpkin, uh, belief in some gigantic conspiracy and so on. Second, the argument refers to common beliefs. Uh, however, believing in the existence of God and that uh, Jesus is the son of God, let alone belief in Mary's virginity or uh, immaculate conception, this seems to be not at all ordinary beliefs. So uh, the two objections against my uh, argument saying that finally uh, the taste could uh, use uh, a Murian argument is that uh, a Murian argument seems to be dangerous in a sense because all our all crazy beliefs would be immunized against critic. And secondly, uh, it seems that the Murren argument could be used only for common beliefs and Christians, Christian beliefs would not be uh, common beliefs. My answer is, what seems to the atheists a strong epistemological necessity to justify religious beliefs, and in fact, the atheist claims it is impossible, appears to be without any sense because it is exactly the kind, uh, without any sense for the believer, because it is exactly the kind of beliefs which are not to be justified. The atheist suspects that the believer succumbs to wishful thinking or even intellectual dishonesty, but the taste would say that he does not succumb to wishful thinking and is not intellectually dishonest. Uh, but why does the believer adopt such an attitude? Because she believes she received a gift, a grace to believe what she is believing. The atheist seems deprived of this grace. For a believer, religious beliefs are built in him. And even if these beliefs are, appear extraordinary and extraordinary, irresponsible, and dishonest, 
in the eyes of an atheist, it is because she is an atheist and not because of some epistemological defects of such belief. So uh, my point is that uh, Christian beliefs are not supposed to be acquired uh, independently of a gift or a grace, uh, a relation to God in a sense. And uh, I think that it does not mean that uh, these beliefs are epistemologically uh, problematic or that uh, they have some epistemological defects. Uh, I to explain what I mean, I quote uh, Matthew 17, 17, and Jesus answered and said unto him, Bless are you, Simon Bayona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. So, uh, uh, flesh, uh, uh, face, uh, face is uh, uh, infused uh, by uh, God. 1 Corinthians 12, 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And of course, St. Anselm Proslogion chapter 1, for I do not seek to understand so that I may believe, but I believe so that I may understand. For I believe this also, that unless I believe, I shall not understand. Isaiah 7, uh, 9. Well, the idea is that without belief and even faith, no understanding is possible. And it is the reason why, at least in a revealed religion, there can be no epistemic symmetry and parity between the believer and the atheist. And no, uh, so no epistemic parity between the two. The believer prays for the more perfect conversion and for, for her more perfect conversion and for the conversion of the atheist. The, the atheist thinks that the believer is intellectually blinded and even as Roe, a little bit intellectually vicious. Or even the atheist think the believer does not really believe what she says she believes. She imagines a God, she makes himself believe in all such things on a model of the attitude we are supposed to adopt when we are reading a novel or watching a movie as the theological, theological fictionalist uh, says. Uh, so I think that very currently today, uh, the atheist is tempted to say that uh, finally uh, a religious be be believer is uh, uh, simply uh, 
that she imagines uh, certain things uh, and takes seriously uh, the Bible, uh, but uh, uh, in a way that is closely related to uh, um, the way we are reading uh, a novel. As if we were reading a novel and taking seriously what is fiction, in fact. Well, uh, that could, uh, it's, it would be possible to object to what I say, to what I uh, defended uh, this way. If God is a source of our, of our belief, our own belief in the existence of God and other religious truths, there is an obvious epistemological vicious circle. One believes that God exists and religious truths uh, uh, that God exists and we believe religious truths because God is the source of our beliefs that God exists and of these truths. And uh, certain, some philosophers would say that it is a pitiful epistemological attitude and even a form of intellectual blindness, and that this is intellectual uh, vicious. My answer uh, is this time uh, taken in a text, uh, a sermon, in fact, uh, of uh, Jonathan Edwards, he says, the mind of man is naturally full of prejudices against the truth of divine things. It is full of enmity against the doctrines of the gospel, which is a disadvantage to those arguments that prove their truth and causes them to lose their force upon the mind. But when a person has discovered to him the divine excellency of Christian doctrines, this destroys the enmity, removes those prejudices, and sanctifies uh, the reason and causes it to lie upon the force of arguments for the truth. God, in letting in this light, into the soul, deals with man according to his nature and as a rational creature, and makes use of his human faculties. But yet this light is not the less immediately from God for that. So the faculties are made use of this as the subject and not as the cause. And that acting of the faculties in it is not the cause, but is either implied in the thing itself, in the light that is imparted, and is the consequence uh, of it. Well, uh, I, if we accept what uh, Jonathan Edwards says, there is something cognitively wrong with the atheist and other non-theist. She's epistemically flowed after all, because she rejects, in a sense, a very rational source of religious belief. This is why the friendship between the atheist and the believer has to be based on something other 
than the recognition of the intellectual symmetry and parity. I mean that if the atheist believes that the taste is blinded, and if the taste believes that the atheist has not received a grace, how could they be intellectually friends? If they can understand and appreciate each other humanly, they are intellectually not only opposed, but even in a sense, enemies. They have no good mutual understanding, leading to a common search for truth on a neutral basis. And I think that uh, this notion of neutral base basis is very important. What I say finally is that the, uh, the problem is that uh, between believer and atheist, uh, there is no uh, intellectual neutral basis. So they can be best enemies, uh, even still able to debate in a sense, uh, but they uh, are that they actually are worst possible friends because there is something very important between them, uh, and I, I, they can uh, appreciate each other humanly, and as I have said, they can belong to the same fire brigade and uh, take a drink together, and so on. Of course, they can live together, but. Uh, there is some there is something uh, um, which makes a strong difference between uh, them, and uh, it's not very easy to uh, make uh, to 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 suppose that uh, uh, it's uh, a secondary uh, something very uh, marginal uh, uh, which uh, distinguish uh, them. In the case of disagreement about religious matter, the asymmetry of justification plays a crucial role. They are hidden and undisclosable reasons to believe in God. They are dialectically, dialectically ineffective because they are the fruits of a divine gift and even if they can be epistemically effective and above all rationally respectable. So the place of this grace, of this gift, forbids a definition of the atheist and the taste as epistemic peers. If the taste received an intellectual gift from divine grace, atheist and taste are of course not equally likely to be right. The believer benefits from, in a sense, the believer benefits from divine help. And it is exactly what uh, the atheist has not received for, for reasons uh, I, I don't know, but he, he has not received this gift. The very notion of a shareable evidence on which the atheist and the theist could be agree, and from which they can hope to convince uh, each other and even simply debate as if the question was to know the merit of a scientific hypothesis makes no sense for such 
uh, reason in this context. Sometimes philosophers seem to suppose that atheism, agnosticism, and theism are like scientific hypotheses of this kind to be compared in a, an academic setting. But if faith, of which belief is a constitutive argument, is not to be attracted by a hypothesis that one finds interesting, simply interesting, but is actually a divine grace and the best possible relation between God and his creatures, the dialectical model of exchanging arguments simply cannot apply. Let us compare. One does not consider someone else to be a peer about one's own head ache. In this case, the belief's warrant does not come from a shareable basis between the two disputants. In both cases, headache and religious belief, beliefs warrant de derives from the very fact believe, even if there are, uh, there are no shareable reasons. So it is perfectly reasonable for the case to downgrade the atheist, even with no independent reason, shareable with the, uh, with the taste. The reference to a headache is not intended at all to suggest that faith is internal and subjective, and therefore it would turn out to be inaccessible to arguments. It is simply to say that our reasons for believing something may not be shareable without being unreasonable. So uh, we could have non-shareable rational uh, uh, reasons uh, to uh, believe in God. The Christian religious belief is thus closer to my belief in the existence, for example, of my own wife than the belief in the conclusion of a syllogism. But in what way would the belief in the existence of my own wife would be irrational or less rational than the result of a syllogism? So I think that... Uh, we are closer to this case of my belief that uh, 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 my belief in the existence of my, of my own uh, wife, and I do not believe uh, the existence of my own wife on uh, uh, by the intermediary of a syllogism, and, and but this belief is perfectly, I think not only rational, but reasonable. Would it be friendly or, of someone to ask you to give credible evidence of your wife when you start talking to him about her? It would be very strange. If I begin to uh, talk about my wife, if someone asks me, well, uh, first of all, you must give me credible evidence that you have a wife and that your wife is alive or I don't know what. Sure, you could some things, you could, you could sometimes give him or what she asked. However, she could have a level of epistemological requirements so I the kind that the septic can display is that it would make satisfaction impossible. 
Anyway, it is no more a friendly relationship between interlocutors if you have to give a proof of the existence of your wife when you speak about her. Razor, if you have to give such a proof, there is a strong disagreement between people who do not share much intellectually, even if they can, of course, respect each other and even, I say, appreciate each other. But we haven't to give such proofs about the existence of God, even if we eventually could, because we do not believe in God apart from God himself. And according to proofs, we have of God's existence. And we don't have to check reveal truth independently to revelation. And even it makes absolutely no sense. Uh, we could compare with the belief in the existence of a planet because it is the best possible explanation uh, of certain astronomical phenomena where proof is needed. In this case, proof is needed. Or at least testimony related to someone, a scientist, who have such a proof. So uh, in the case of the existence of God, and the same for the existence of my own wife, we are not at all in the same case that uh, the belief in the existence of a planet. Because in this case, of course, we have to give reasons. Uh, but in the, in the two first case, we, cases, we have not to give uh, reasons. So this is the reason why we can have very serious doubts about the possibility that the disagreement between atheist and theist could be dispelled by an exchange of arguments based on intellectual friendship. But that does not mean that religious belief is a subjective, I could say, uh, would say, Kierkegaardian passion that would ridicule any rational theology, and especially natural theology. However, the function of natural theory and rational uh, theology, of natural uh, theology, uh, it's not theory, but theology, the function of natural theology and rational theology is not foundational. They do not serve to give a rational basis to the taste beliefs. And uh, you have this uh, painting by Philippe de Champagne, The Supper at Emmaus. Uh, when Jesus revealed uh, himself uh, to the disciples, uh, he, he does not give uh, arguments. He's simply in prisons. Indeed, we can rationally believe without, have, uh, without having shareable reasons, such as those that we share in philosophical or scientific debate. So my conclusion uh, would be taken in 1 Corinthians 2.15. But he that is spiritual judged all things, yet he himself is judge of no man. This quotation explains what makes uh, intellectual friendship between the believer and the 
unbelievable, so difficult. The truly difficult question for the taste is not that a hidden God, is not that a, uh, of a hidden God, but why God does not extend his grace to all mankind and why the artists intellectually honest and even perhaps generous disagrees with him. <laughs>